Hi, and welcome to a brand new episode of The Art of Customer Service. My name is Eric van Muller. I'm your host on this show, a former Canary World Champion, father of three, and founder of SaltMate, a leading platform for customer service automation. On The Art of Customer Service, I talk to experts about what makes good customer service, which tools and practices are relevant, which new technologies are available in the customer service area, and many other exciting topics around a great service experience. If you like this show, I would be happy if you rated five stars on the streaming service of your choice. And let's get directly into it. Today's episode in The Art of Customer Service is about how to create a frictionless experience and building customer communities. And how does this go together? With me today on the show is Alex Farmer, the VP of Customer Success at Cognize and the founder of Customer Success Excellence, the world's first ceremony dedicated to the customer success area. In 2021, he's also been named the top 25 customer success influencers. Welcome, Alex. Happy to have you on the show. Eric, thank you so much for having me. Really glad to be here. Awesome. Let's jump direct into it. What's your background? Sure. So, well, uh, let's start with the personal. I grew up in California. I now live in London. So we uh, one day I'll maybe make it all the way around the world, but we're halfway around the world thus far. I uh, originally from the Silicon Valley, been in the UK for about nine years. And, and my background is ultimately kind of building customer success and post-sale functions in high growth scale ups of different shapes and sizes, HR tech, legal tech, and now at Cognite, where I lead the customer success management function there. And we are a data ops platform for heavy asset industries. So we help energy companies, manufacturing companies contextualize their data to give them business value. That's, I guess, me in a nutshell. I'll also touch on customer success excellence. Uh, it's a kind of a side project that I founded about a year ago, and we're just open up for our first applications. It's an awards program dedicated to the customer success profession. So busy these days, but I think that's a good intro. Before we jump into that, sometimes I hear people that are getting confused between customer service and customer success. What are synonyms? What are differences? Customer success as a profession is not very old. It's relatively new. So, uh, you know, as organizations mature and grow, I think the term itself has shifted a little bit. For me, you know, customer success is a function within a business. Customer service is how we look after our customers more generally. So I guess from my perspective, you can think as customer success is uh, one aspect of positive customer service. And of course, you know, customer success is most directly linked to B2B SaaS, where customer service is obviously more generally applicable to all types of uh, industries. To maybe generalize that, would you agree if I would say customer service is if you take care of whatever service to serve your customers, that means the department, the people that are taking care of the direct customer interactions and customer success is more a speciality, something like key account management, where you have a more personal relationship, but not like a one-to-many relationship, like in typical call centers slash customer service. Yeah, I would say so. Maybe the way I would characterize it is, is customer success by definition is proactive and customer service is maybe more reactive and that we're kind of handling inbound versus focusing on engaging with customers outbound. Because I do think we're now starting to see not just one-to-one customer success engagements, but also digital customer success. And that obviously gets us into our topic today around kind of communities and how we scale out customer success to touch all of our customers in a more efficient way, in a digital way. I would agree, yes, but I think there's also different ways to characterize it around proactivity and reactivity as well. That's interesting. I just learned something, which we didn't talk about in, in our call beforehand. So 
So there is inbound and proactive, and then there is a difference between B2C, B2B. How would you put that into those four categories? Cognite, we're a very high-touch enterprise model. So everybody has a customer success director who they know and have a relationship with. But as you see kind of the rise of software companies focusing and investing on product-led growth, enter your credit card details, these frictionless buying experiences, the contract values are maybe a little bit smaller and the customers are much more faster moving. So I'm starting to see a lot of organizations create customer communities as a first port of call, not just for inbound case deflection, but also for how do I achieve my desired outcome? And that doesn't have to be solved by one customer success manager, but it can be solved by your digital customer success engagement, which either is community or technology led, or I've seen companies now create this idea of a customer success concierge. So it's kind of this pool of customer success managers that are available to work with customers or maybe not asking a, hey, this is broken. How do I fix it question? But a, how do I use the product to achieve my business goals and get value question, which is different to kind of an inbound customer service inquiry. We're starting to see a little bit of a blend there, if you like, where CS started in the high touch one-to-one place and customer service has always kind of been a one-to-many inbound function. And now maybe that's blurring into more of a spectrum as we not care so much about our org chart and think a little bit more about just what the customer needs, how, and when. Which brings me to the point of, just to put in another buzzword here, customer experience. If there is customer service and there is customer success, meaning what do I need to be successful as a client without contacting you or without contacting the company, how does that play into customer experience? In my world, customer experience is the overall experience and what's customer success in your point of view? I think you're right. I mean, CX is the overall experience. Absolutely. I think it's not a department. It's uh, the overall engagement the customer has with your entire organization. And customer success is focused, is, is one pillar of your org chart that's there to ensure the customer gets business value. There is an important interaction here, though, because there's somebody named uh, Dave Jackson, who's a kind of a thought leader in customer success. And he, I'm paraphrasing him, but he basically says that customer success is a bad solution to a CEO problem. And what he means by that is the fact that I need a team to remove friction proactively for a customer as they experience whatever part of the business they're engaging with, that premise we should reject. Ultimately, the org chart should be set up in a way that the customer experience is positive and the customer can achieve their business goal all by themselves in a frictionless way without having a separate function there to kind of grease the wheels and connect the customer to the right people. So ultimately, customer experience is that bigger umbrella kind of across all functions, whether you're engaging with a marketing team, you know, just the website to enter your credit card details to sign up for a product-led application, or you know, when I'm engaging with a renewal manager that maybe is uh, kind of holding my feet to the fire and negotiating the contract in a really challenging way. Even the language, and this is something that we've actually focused a little bit on at Cognite, the language in the, hey, your invoice is past due, could you pay us please? That automated email that comes from whatever your financial management system is, that's customer experience, but it has nothing to do with customer success, right? So, so maybe some good examples to kind of contextualize the difference. I'm taking the negation of what you said. If there is a person that is responsible for CX, something's broken. The reason I like to quote Dave is he's a self-described uh, customer success heretic, and he, it's a very bombastic statement to make. But when I speak to my teams, you know, m my message is in 10 years, in five years, in 20 years, however long it's going to be, what do we need to do to make sure that we don't have a job? How do I need to influence this other department to embed this in our product, embed this in our process so that a person doesn't have to patch over the gap, right? So yes, yeah, so maybe I take the flip side of, not the negative connotation, but the positive connotation, because of course we're all professionals and are gainfully employed and should remain that way. But I think the philosophy of, you know, having a separate department that has to remind the business and patch over gaps, it's kind of a defeatist mentality. 
we already accept that this department must exist forever. But really this, this philosophy or this culture of we are here to provide an important service to our business to remind every department that we have to think about the customer. But ultimately, if we are successful in accomplishing our mission, hopefully one day we don't need to exist. I was asked a similar question on separate engagement about the role of the chief customer officer. I think it was asked about what's your prediction for CS and customer success in five years, 10 years. The chief customer officer role is very much having its moment. We need to have a seat at the table to represent the voice of the customer. And, you know, the CCO role kind of is responsible for support, success, customer experience, all of the things we discussed. They are that post-sale function that is responsible for the overall experience and, and outcomes of the customer. But for me, the reason that role exists is because because maybe we've been a little bit too non-customer centric in our other roles, right? So one day, chief customer officers that exist today may just become, you know, chief revenue officers, COOs, or chief product officers in the future, and just be customer centric versions of those roles today. I'm not sure how permanent that is. If we accept the premise, a necessary evil today, but maybe as we kind of move to a more customer centric or a B to C like experience, where we think more about that kind of user experience, user journey, uh, it's a role that doesn't need to exist in the future. Before we go into what is a frictionless experience, if you say in 10 years, the interaction will be more digital, I think we should acknowledge that most are like, I'm in the customer service industry and yes, call centers are there. Customer service teams are just existing because the world is not fully digitalized yet. Not everything is productized. Just 20 years ago, maybe 25 years ago, the internet was invented and there was no way if you wanted to engage with a company, you needed to call someone on a landline, you need to go to a shop, you need to send a letter. And then there was the call center age, which was the first age of you call people and there was only phone and there was big call center software. Then the ticketing age came, you were sending emails and right now we're in a conversational age. It's just about a conversation with a company and that conversation is getting more and more digitalized. And something that we also see talking to our clients is customers effectively do not want to talk to a company in case they have a digital faster method on just fulfilling their desire. Is this what you mean frictionless experience and what is the future? That's exactly what I mean when I say frictionless experience, but my frame of reference is different. And frankly, That sounds like a dream compared to where we as B2B software professionals are in our thinking when it comes to customer engagement. You hear said quite often, or at least I do, you know, that look to the B2C expectations and the B2C experience. You as a consumer engaging with that business, that's where B2B ultimately needs to go because the consumer expectation is already there. When we were speaking earlier, I think the key thing for me here is using that consumer-led example as the inspiration for how we think about helping customers achieve their goals in a B2B environment. In a B2B software engagement, marketing goes out to the market and says, these are the problems that we can solve. Look at how great our product is, customer examples, you know, et cetera, et cetera, right? They position the brand to make you aware of the brand. Customer will either reach out or express an interest. And then sales will tailor that, that generic messaging to the specific customer pain points. You know, these are the things we can do. These are the challenges we do solve. Tell me about your challenges and let's find a match. But it's all about hypothetical value. Here's the value we think we can deliver for you. Let's get started. And then we sign the contract. And then the hard work needs to take place. Companies invest so much in the marketing and sales part of the engagement, right? Very polished, clean websites, KPIs on sales reps, 
to respond to the demo requests in 15 minutes. All of these really kind of micro-targeted focus areas to ensure that that buyer has a positive experience. But we haven't invested or focused enough on applying a similar rigor and standard to the B2B post-sale engagements with our customers. After we've talked a big game about hypothetical value, we then have to deliver actual value. So when I talk about frictionless experience, I'm specifically talking about the gap between not just the B2C experience we talked about, but also the prospect B2B experience and, and kind of the lowest professionalism or the lowest standard of frictionless experience for customers is really oftentimes experience after they've signed the contract. And I'm in the business as a customer success leader of ensuring that's not the case. So when I say frictionless experience, I mean something that's akin to a B2C experience or that prospect experience where we live up to the expectations that we've set with our buyer when it comes to actually executing. So that could mean ensuring that customers have access to all of the tools available to them, not as email attachments, but in a central community-led hub for one example. Just like you said before, in the hierarchy of customer support that you were sharing, customers always want to find the information as fast as possible in a way that's most convenient for them. So of course, we're not going to make them write a letter to us anymore. But at the very least, from a B2B software engagement post-sale, we really need to focus on that customer experience because we've set the expectation so high in the prospect phase. And I'm sure we'll get into some more details and examples in just a second. Before I do that, why do you think there is a gap? We're playing catch up philosophically. Let me explain what I mean by that. Customer success is new. There's this relatively famous story that I'm sure I'm going to butcher. It's about kind of Salesforce. And I think it was like 2000 or something. They went to the Ritz-Carlton Half Moon Bay and they had an offsite celebrating their success. And somebody stood up on the stage nicknamed Dr. Doom because of this speech. Basically, everyone was celebrating how amazing their customer acquisition was. But Dr. Doom got up on the stage and said, we don't have a business in the next 12 months if we don't focus on churn. Everybody's leaving. We sign them up and then they leave, right? And that's kind of the fable of the start of customer success that, uh, again, I'm probably incorrectly summarizing, but you can read about it somewhere on the internet. It's an interesting story because it really kind of highlighted to the business at a really important time. I think it was two, three years into Salesforce. Just because they were growing their revenue didn't mean they had a company, didn't mean they had a business because they were churning customers left and right after 30 days. People were buying it, not logging in, not using it, and then canceling. We were celebrating customer acquisition. We were investing a huge amount of money and having this amazing experience. And then we said, okay, we assume that once we acquire you, you'll stay with us. That's operational stuff, right? So the reason that there's this gap is that uh, there's the conventional thinking of non-subscription businesses was that once I sell you this perpetual license, you're stuck. And you got to pay me every time you want to log a support ticket or you want to upgrade, right? So there's this antiquated model of investing all this money in whining and dining, relationship selling that is obviously has shifted. We are in a subscription SaaS economy. I mean, one of the S's is subscription software as a service, right? And we've shifted how we look at acquiring customers. But the reason customer success exists as a department is to ensure that our operations post-sale don't screw it up. As organizations are understanding that the majority of their growth won't come from new customer acquisition, but from upsell and expansion with existing customers, I can't just invest a hell of a lot of money and then hope it works out. Because when I invest that high customer acquisition cost and the customer leaves, well, then I've lost money. I haven't repaid my customer acquisition cost outlay. We're starting to see a shift finally catch up with the business model change. We changed from perpetual license to software as a service. Customer success now exists. And really, it's kind of the final frontier in improving the experience 
trades to match 20, 30, 40 year heavily invested top of funnel acquisition cost exercise. We're only eight years or 10 years into CS really becoming a thing. So now we need to kind of continue to push the envelope and catch B2B customer success, customer experience up to that B2C style of customer engagement that we discussed earlier. Coming back earlier to what I said in the beginning, what has a community to do with a frictionless experience and what we just talked about? Especially when you consider Cognite, in my experience, is, is with really high-touch customer engagements. You know, the contract values are seven, six, seven figures. So you don't usually connect customer community with that type of, of business yeah, model my, engagement. My first thought was there is a forum online where I can write to a community when we talked about this. It's much more complicated than that. And rightly so. You talked about the evolution of customer service. And I think you put that very succinctly. And community, I think, is also going through its own evolution. You know, previously, community was thought of as, you know, a place to case deflect. It was a very reactive position to be in, right? Oh, we don't have enough people to respond to all the tickets that people are logging, right? I think that was maybe the tier before the conversational age. So let's do a community where they can ask other people that might have the accurate answer and they can help themselves. That's good, right? That's customer centric. Not really, because the ulterior motive, of course, is reducing the expenditure to serve the customer. And actually, I would argue maybe it's not so customer centric, which is where things like conversational AI and chatbots come in. But so that's the support community. What we Cognite and, and I've in previous companies also launched are what we'll call exploration communities, of which support is only one small element. So when we think about frictionless experience, community comes in as firstly the cover sheet for customers to discover what's available to them. When we implemented our community at Cognite before community, we had 12 different website URLs, places the customer could go to get something that they might need in regards to their engagement with us an academy site, product release wiki, a developer forum, a support portal to log tickets, a YouTube channel. I would say this is still the case for most B2C companies today. The first thing that when we talk with clients about is what's your customer service? What's your contact strategy? How do you funnel users? What is the one single URL people need to go to? Maybe find the chatbot, maybe find someone to call, however you want to do this. And then I figure out that for most of the companies this is not really streamlined. Maybe there's not 12 different places like Cognite, but you have very high contract values. Not all the companies have a YouTube channel or an academy, but I think this is not only true for B2B high value topics. It's it's true for, let's call it plain vanilla e-commerce stores. It's not that easy. It's not one single place. You're so, you're so right. And I work in the customer success business and part of our role is about adoption, ensuring our customers are adopting the products and solutions that we deliver. So maybe it's just always top of mind for me but I'm continuously surprised and underwhelmed about how organizations don't think about adoption of the content. So organizations will obsess around, do I have a knowledge base article for this? Or do I have a product release video for that new feature? So we spend a lot of time producing the content, but then we don't really think about how many customers actually watch this. Could 100% of our customers access this thing with one click? or two clicks, or could they find it if they needed it? And that's really what I meant, what I mean when I say this cover sheet. Success criteria one for community, delivering a frictionless experience was making sure that customers could find the stuff they needed when they needed it. Because your point earlier around the hierarchy of customer service, customers want to find information in the way that they like fast without having to wait for someone. It's the same thing for all of the content that we're talking about here around product releases and everything else. If I would ask listeners of this podcast, how much money do you spend on creating the perfect menu for your website and each line item and how nice and polished it is? And how much money do you spend on the one single resource page on the menu and the navigation to kind of make sure everything is ordered and click optimized? 
I just realized I'm not doing it perfectly right for my own company. <laughs> we just revamp our help center because of that. We because we wanted to have that single place where everything is linked from. But if you just combine spendings in euros, this is probably a hundred to five ratio. The first thing that we could do is just launch a landing page with links. So you don't need to launch a customer community if you don't you know want to make that leap yet. But at the very least one central place, maybe you hyperlink it from the product itself, if you're a software company, to a landing page that at least says, click here for this, click here for that. The next thing you can invest in is federated search. So when I have a global search bar across these different sites, it shares information that's relevant for me. So at least I can continue to explore and discover the most useful information. And what I find even more exciting, we haven't done this yet, but we are thinking about how we do this, which is actual micro-targeting of individual users and individual customers with content post-sale. We do account-based marketing where I know that your IP address is from you know, this blue chip company and I want to show a specific article to you on the homepage of our website to attract the new customer. As we start to evolve customer success to be more technologically driven, more digital instead of more one-to-one -one high touch, why can't I do that with the information I have on my customer when they come to that central one-stop community. So if I have an executive sponsor that is the executive at a red account, well, I could put an article about how to maximize your return on investment for our product right on the homepage. If I have a decision maker that's logging into our community from a company that's in the middle of an upsell, I could put a customer case study of that module directly on the homepage, right? So starting to kind of think about those things where I think your ratio is 500 to one. 5,000 to one, right? Similarly, we spend so much money doing this to attract customers. These same principles, we have more data about our customers than we do our prospects. So it's just sitting there unutilized, not driving the right business outcome with that kind of one-stop shop community that I mentioned. So I guess it's not about frictionless customer experience. It's about kind of driving value from your customer data. But again, that's the benefit of having this one place that all customers go because you can start to reap those rewards through those kind of data-led digital touches that I've just mentioned. I just thought about an analogy from retargeting to what you just said. So, I mean, in retargeting, we have millions of data points. And if I click once on something in e-commerce, I'm going to get, you know, the same products retargeted all over the internet, which makes sense because you have data, you want to maximize conversion rates. And you basically said the same thing. You have some kind of data. However, this is created, even if a customer success manager marks an account as red or yellow or high churn risk, all people from that domain, which is kind of the one to many, like everyone from that company would maybe see something different. That's an interesting thought. Do you know whether this is technically solved already? Because it's not that yeah, easy. Yes. No, it's not that I easy. Mean, but retargeting is an own thing in e-commerce, like it's an industry. I think one of the advantages, I know I've kind of just talked about how it's such a disadvantage and the bar is so low for post-sale B2B customer experience. But one of the advantages is you're not talking about retargeting is the entire internet. This is a small subset of customers of which you have the data and you know when they've logged in to your customer community, right? So actually the bar to be able to execute this is much lower than on the entire industry that exists to do this for kind of open source web traffic. So technically it exists, absolutely. An ability to tailor different homepages, show different widgets within community technology, that functionality exists. I think it's just completely underutilized. And there's one more thing that I want to add into this. Because we've just talked a lot about the digital side of giving this cover sheet to your customers so that they have a frictionless experience finding the stuff they need, discovering stuff they didn't know they need, which is maybe equally or more important. And so that's digital kind of customer experience support success. What about that high touch one-to-one -one customer success manager engagement? It still happens. We're not trying to replace it. We're trying to supplement and augment it. 
So the extra angle here, maybe the second thing that we're doing with community is connecting and contextualizing the customer's one-to-one engagements with our company into that community, right? So it's not public, right? There's a password protected area per customer. We were talking about marketing and sales spending so much money on clean and attractive experience to convince the customer to sign. If we play out the worst example here, what happens is we go through this amazing cadence. We have these meetings. Maybe we send them some swag or all of these things that happen in the sales funnel. We sign the contract. And then what happens if it's a high touch B2B implement? is I send you a 60-page Word doc saying, hey, it's the discovery document. Can you fill out all your information so I can implement the solution, please? We make them repeat themselves about what they've already told sales through a you know, three, six, nine-month sales cycle. And instead of kind of having this beautiful website, it's a old antiquated Word doc that we got to send do version control back and forth on email. Quintessential example of what I mean when I say that we have to do better from an expectation setting perspective when it comes to frictionless experience post-sale. What we at Cognite have done now to combine what we just talked about with, with this cover sheet style kind of focus, all of those documents, when we do have one-to-one engagements, are able to be stored directly in the community in a section only that customer can access. So when I run, for example, a QBR in customer success, we do quarterly business reviews with our customers. It's executive alignment. Tell us your feedback. Here's your usage. Let's talk about more business challenges and areas we can provide more value. It's an important part of a CS engagement. But what still I don't understand is it's 2022. And we spend five to 10 hours building this beautiful slide deck, which is like the pinnacle of our one-to-one high-touch customer success engagement. We're going to get the executive in the room and we're going to align, maybe bring our executive. And then when it's over, we shake hands. Maybe we go out to a nice dinner, but then I send you a PDF attachment with a bullet point list of action items in an email. And I expect you as the executive to care, to open that email and open that slide deck again and again, doesn't make any sense because we're not thinking about the adoption. So what we do is we'll store those executive business review decks directly in the community. So when the customer does log in, they have access not just to all their digital resources available to everybody, the one-to-many resources. They also have the one-to-one collateral that we spend all this time delivering so that we drive adoption of that as well. So they have a not just a frictionless one-to-many experience, but a frictionless post-sale customer experience. Because email is also a channel like one of those 10 mediums that you just said earlier. If you have 12, kind of medium would be number 13. And you don't want to put something in an email inbox from someone where you say, well, but in this QBR two quarters ago or a year ago, this is what we discussed. That is a smart way of thinking about customer success and a frictionless experience. I mean, it doesn't make any sense that we think that an executive is going to scroll down through the million emails they get, open the bullet point list and follow the steps. So first thing we do is we embed, if they do want to access their documents, they can do it directly in one place, not their inbox. And one of the things we're exploring, there's there's some additional technology that we're hoping to kind of embed into our community. I think it's a new category and I'm really excited about it. It's kind of this flexible cover sheet that exists where you can kind of add these different widgets and you can customize follow-up actions directly in the widget. And then you can embed it into your product. Alongside the chatbot for support, we also have this kind of one-to-one as a reminder, here are the things that we said we would do in the next three months, and you can check them off directly in the product as well, and then also see the progress in the customer community. So these are new challenges, and the expectations are being raised correctly. Uh, and now technology is finally catching up, I think, to support us, not just you know from a customer support perspective, as we discussed a little bit today, but also from the one-to-one automation and digitalization point of view as well. 
I really like that idea because it, it's quite progressive. I mean, in e-commerce, you have your login, you get your password protected area, there is the invoice, there is everything you need. In a good company, it should be exactly at one place. Either a company is B2C and is not good at it, that means content is dispersed, or you're more in a high-touch B2B area, you should come to that point. And I was just thinking how to operationalize a checklist with a customer to do something. You basically need to have a widget from a task management system. And now we are back into the API world of, in an ideal world, I could make 10 to-dos that directly pop up in their Trello, Asana, whatever project management tool they use, which is, I think this is even more 10 years in the future. But I like the idea of creating a shared list. And my first idea was, why don't we create a shared Google Sheet or whatever, which you just, with one click from the landing page, you can access. And I mean, it's very easy to add a bullet point to make a tick box and customers can collaborate, ask questions, this is not perfect, but it's at least something hands-on to share to-do lists. Because we are also sending over to-do lists via email because there is no good solution for that yet. And, you know, it's a good start. There's different products that have a bolt-on for some of that stuff, but like a standalone focus, I'm not sure exists to your point. And then you add to that, right, this idea of customer marketing where, you know, we have these customer journey flows that if you don't log in for 30 days, I'm going to send you an email saying, hey, don't forget to log in. Well, similarly, apply that to the task list. You said you would do this on this date and we agreed it 30 days ago. Have you done it yet? Right. And you could start holding customers mutually accountable because especially, you know, e-commerce, right? If I don't come back to buy a new shirt, I haven't failed. I've just churned and moved on to a different brand. It's a little bit different in B2B where there's expectation for the customer to do stuff. And we have to hold them accountable because, you know, oftentimes and CS, we see this a lot. We make all of the effort and we'll say, hey, you should try this, take this academy, take this course on our community. Right. Because, again, it's all contextualized in one place for them to access, get certified. And if they don't, being able to document that and maybe automatically then email the executive saying, hey, just so you know, the status of these tasks are everything for us is done. Everything for you is still open. Maybe talk to your team. Then you're driving the right business outcomes and, and really kind of driving accountability with customers because ultimately our goal is to take the hypothetical value from the sales process and make it actual value delivered to the customer. But it's not something that I can spoon feed you. I have to give you the tools as a customer to do it. And, and tools like this with this community and this task management focus that we've just discussed help us hold customers to account to ensure that they can be successful, whether it's our job to do it or theirs. That was such an incredible ride coming from creating a frictionless experience, why this is important to explain the difference between customer success, customer service, between B2B and B2C. And then we came to the point that you should have one place where things should be stored and to help people accountable, whatever this is, especially in a B2B environment. But all companies that are doing customer service or having customer contact should think about the single place of truth or to funnel users to one area. The thing that I really liked was this widget idea that is dynamic, like a retargeting idea for if someone has a certain state, why don't we show them different content? It's pretty cool and advanced. I hope that some AI company is going to start doing that automatically, like retargeting companies, sharing accountability with shared to-do lists in a password-protected login. It's part of the product to do so. I really enjoyed this podcast. I hope our listeners will do so too. And I want to thank Alex Farmer for all these insights. Thanks so much for having me, Eric. Uh, hopefully it was useful and look forward to one day executing on all of those things. Because as I said, it's uh, very much a work in progress, but an exciting journey nonetheless. Thank you, Alex. Danke fürs Zuhören beim Digital Kompakt Podcast. Du merkst, hier ziehst du massig Wissen für dich und dein Unternehmen heraus. Wenn du mit uns noch erfolgreicher werden möchtest, abonniere uns auf den gängigen Podcast-Plattformen. Und hey, je größer wir werden, desto mehr Menschen können wir helfen. 
Also erzähl doch auch deinen Kolleginnen und Kollegen von uns. Bis zum nächsten Mal.